question right off the top outside hockey have we ever seen a run from Canadian athletes and teams than we are seeing right now I mean hell include hockey if you want the Canadian woman just captured gold with an unbelievable performance at the world's in Calgary Layla Felix, Andre de Grasse, Damian Warner, Penny Alexiak, the women's national team soccer Hockey, Brooke Henderson, even if they didn't qualify, Canada's men's basketball team has never been better. Lou Dort might be the best defender on planet Earth. Jamal Murray was tearing it up. The men's national soccer team could be on the verge. And don't even get me started on the Jays and what they could be on the verge of here. Like, okay, 2019 Raptors win the championship. Bianca wins the U.S. Open. Like, it's the closest thing I can think of. Maybe 93, Habs win the Cup, Jays win the World Series. Like, and Kevin, God forbid the Jays make the playoffs here. Like, I'm, I'm 45. Come after me. I'm a man. When I was a kid, we were cheering for Glenn Michibata to win a round. And we weren't even talking about Grand Slam. Dave Barb, maybe he can crack top 10. Tim Tintail. He was great for a couple of years for the Buffalo Bills. Eli Pasquale, may God rest his soul. Damn, I swear that guy could play in the NBA, couldn't he? Last year we had, what, like 20 guys in the NBA? Like the world's best athlete, Canadian. World's best sprinter, arguably, Canadian. Leading goal scorer, international football history, Canadian. The best women's hockey team and soccer team in the world, Canadian, a second U.S. Open champion, Canadian soccer football as a whole in this country. It feels like it's really close to blowing up like you knew it would. Call the crib, same number, same hood. It's Canada. Like for real, Kevin Mickey in for the bachelor partying Jesse Rubinoff. This is an unprecedented run, is it not? It's, I could say... It is unprecedented, yes. yes. Especially the groundswell of pride through a bunch of international sports right. like soccer, like tennis, where on the global stage, it doesn't get any bigger than that. Yeah. So to see Canadians succeeding on that stage, we've seen Canadians succeed in hockey. And yes, that's a global stage of sorts, but right. not it's the not same. the entire globe. No. No. There's about a dozen countries, maybe. This is every single country that yeah. wants to participate in these sports. And Canada is not only excelling, they're winning. Yeah, like they're topping the list. Like depth of pool, right? Like talent pools. Yeah. The depth of the talent pool in all of these sports is enormous. Like for women's sports, soccer is as big as it gets, right? Everyone has guys that run fast. Mm -hmm. That's the deepest talent pool of any sport. And Andre de Grasse, never mind Aaron Brown, but Andre de Grasse, arguably the greatest sprinter in the world. 200, 100, not a lot of guys trying double anymore. I don't want to have the Michael Johnson versus Donovan Bailey debate like 25 years later. Exactly. I'm just saying arguably one of, if not the greatest sprinter in the world. The best athlete, like the decathlete. Everyone has a guy that does that, mm -hmm. and Canada has the best in the world. I mean, 
Like, I, I called my 83-year-old dad for reference before I went on this little rant to start the show to make sure that I was okay. And he's like, well, George Knutson did well back in the day. <laughs> like, honestly, he could not think of a moment. He's like, when did Mike Weir win the Masters? I'm like, 2003. There wasn't much else, right? Mm-hmm. Like, depth of field, it's unbelievable what we're doing right now. And, I mean, you could go even further. I mean, Joey Votto having a resurgent type yep. year. You could get you some could. some MVP votes yep. for sure. The Toronto Blue Jays have a Canadian closer in Jordan Romano. Larry Walker just Larry, went Larry in. Larry Walker just went yeah. in the Hall of Fame. That was, that was what I didn't even think about. Uh, Chris yeah. Boucher stepping up for the Toronto Raptors there this year. Go. I mean, the list keeps going on, but I'll, th- I'll throw one more in. How about Orangeville, Ontario's finest, Edge, our friend Adam Copeland, headlining <laughs> WrestleMania there this year. There's, there's another one. A headliner in WrestleMania is Canadian. So, yeah, yeah, the list goes on for Canadians topping the international stage. Just outside Mono, Ontario, Orangeville. Uh, And Beijing's, like, 2022 is, what, five months away? So then you got – I heard Doug Armstrong on with Ben Ennis and Richard Deitch on Fan 590 Toronto talking about Canada's team. Like, that's less than five months away. So it could just – the run could continue is what I'm saying here, Mickey. Time flies when you're having fun. It's it's so close. It's right there. Yeah. And if, if yeah. of course it goes. Let's pretend that it is. We're, <laughs> yeah, all, we're all trying to have a good time here, Uncle Timmy. I Please. guess so, yeah. Uh, and by the way, we're only five, 15 days away from the start of NHL preseason, oh, which of course begins with the Leafs and Habs because of course, of course. it does. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, all of this right here, right now, spurred on an internet match game that may cross over like Iverson, depending on what Kevin Mickey has for me. The match game goes as such. I haven't seen anything this unbelievable since blank. That's right. With Canada on a heater, I haven't seen anything this unbelievable since blank. Since blank. So. Do you have a few? I have a few. Really? I have a few, yeah. Dobby, do we have? Oh, we've already gone to it. Thomas Dobby has given it the okay. Let's let's start with this one. (laughs) Oh, no. Don't do this. (laughs) We had... We had to start with this one. In case you missed yesterday, there was a lot of fanny pack chatter. There was a lot of fanny pack chatter. Fanny pack's okay. Fanny pack's cut or uncut. That's what we want to know. This, uh, Tyler says, a fan at an Oakland Athletics game caught a ball in his fanny pack. Most unbelievable thing since then. It was crazy how many people were really upset with me for discussing the fanny pack in unflattering manner. It's because the fanny pack has come back in style. And people who sport the fanny pack... They defend their fanny pack them. I don't know necessarily. Like, I know Nike has got fanny packs. I know a lot of people are doing. I know Gucci came out with kind of like this belt pack. Like, I understand what's going on here. That doesn't mean it's back in style. Okay? Even if you're living the Gucci lifestyle, <laughs> yeah, the really Gucci living. fanny pack. Right. You got any more match games, or is that the one? You just wanted to hit me with fanny pack. I just want to hit you with fanny pack, but we can keep going. Dobbs, do we have time or no? couple more. Okay. Let's hit a couple more. Okay. Next, we have Peter. Junior 2.0, the rain continues. How about that? The rain will continue with Black, Junior 2.0. The Filipino diving team. Abonit, yeah. Abonit goes to what was Sid Six Arrows. Haven't seen anything this unbelievable since the Filipino diving team. It was unbelievable. Uh, I feel like you knew that you were going to get Kevin Mickey to pull the trigger on this, and that's why you went there, Abonit. Smart. Smart buddy. Yeah, no, he, I, knew. he knew. I've only been here two days, and yeah. he knew. So I haven't seen anything that incredible since. There you go. Here's one for Tim. I haven't seen anything this unbelievable since. Tim made that no-look over-the-shoulder shot. Mr. Perfect style. And another one that I feel. Who's that? That's from Churchy. Churchy, of course it is. Yeah, classic Churchy. 
And let's get to one more. This one comes from Vinny Sen. Haven't seen anything that unbelievable since. Tim McCallum plays Fortnite. Yeah. 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 Uh, I do like that Vinny uh, took the time to put me in the Fortnite graphic. It's fantastic. And I, someone was getting mad at me for ripping the guy with the hat. Yeah. And the fanny pack catching the ball. And I said, listen, I was ripping myself for playing Fortnite. So it's like give and take. I know it's 2021 and we're all sensitive right now, but that's how the world works, all right? You give, you get, we laugh, we move on. Okay? We were happy to make fun of you, Tim. I can, I can <laughs> yes, say, I can yes. say. I've By the way, uh, you'll be in it very, very soon. Yeah, Speaking of crossing over, our guy Nate Burleson. Uh, taking the American morning television world by storm. CBS this morning, he's still chopping it up with us. He'll do that in the next 15 minutes or so. Bucks take the last game of last year and the first game of this year. I'll ask Nate Dogg how the hell Tom Brady continues to do it. And not do it once or twice, but... A lot of people ain't going to be able to take that over and over and over and over and over and over. Over and 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 over again. He does he does it over and over and over and over. Beast mode, my favorite. Layla Annie Fernandez was beast mode last night and for the better part of the last two weeks. My friend Carolyn Cameron stops by to talk about Layla and our good friend Felix. I'm just looking up to see what Felix is doing right now. We'll talk Layla. Looks like it's over for Felix. And the Jays are on a ridiculous run and send a Cy Young Award candidate at the Orioles for the first of four at Camden Yards. Shai Davidi joins me from the home of little Omar. Omar Little. You got it. Well, a couple miles from there. I didn't want to say that it's the home of Omar Little because it's probably a couple miles from the actual home. You got it. It's Camden Yards. Tons of Jays on the pregame to the pregame. That's right, kids. Every game day starts 5 p.m. Eastern with Tim and friends. What a time to be alive. Such great stuff. Almost enough to distract you from the rest of the sh- Here's Kevin Mickey. First things first. Let's go. First things first. Speaking of Drake, what a time to be alive. Another good thing from Canada, Drake releasing an album. Just mm-hmm. very recently. Oh, I hadn't heard. Yes. Did he release an album? Yes, oh, it's crazy. Correct. Yeah, okay. New music New, available. Right. Just yeah. making sure that but I, if you, I, if I you hadn't want, seen it. If you want to continue the Canadian theme, the Tragically Hip releasing an album this year, pretty cool. Yes. Right? Yeah. So there you go. Lots of Canadian, good Canadian stuff right. going on. Still hard to believe it, though, that Layla Fernandez will play in the U.S. Open final tomorrow after the 19 year old from Montreal pulled off another tough three set win over the number two seed, Arnia Sabalenka, last night. It made her the youngest woman to reach a Grand Slam final since 2004 for, like, two hours, really. Because when 18-year-old qualifier Emma Raducanu beats Maria Sakkari, that set up an all-teenager final. So, Tim, I ask you this. Is this the most unlikely Grand Slam final ever? Yeah, this is the first that has featured two unseated players since the Open Era began in, I believe, 1968. Um, (laughs) Since 1975... Since WTA rankings began, only five players, so only three before Layla and Raducanu, ranked outside the top 50, have reached the U.S. Open final. And two of them. So there was three before yesterday, and now there's five. Two of them are back there. This is unbelievable to see these two be in this spot, and I don't think anyone can argue. Like, going into the tournament, 
Layla was 300 to 1 in Vegas to win this tournament. And Raducanu, because of a run at Wimbledon, was 40 to 1, but had to get in through qualification. Like, I don't think anyone has ever seen anything like this because it's never happened before, at least in the modern era. And here's what I'd say, too. You know when somebody says, like, this is a Hollywood script. Here's the thing. Hollywood scripts are predictable. That's why they're Hollywood scripts. You can write them. This isn't like a Hollywood script. Because no, if it, it was, if it were, then it would be Layla versus a dominating champ, someone like a Serena Williams of sorts. Instead, you have two teenagers in the final. But here's where it's great. The New York crowd is so behind Layla. She is more over in New York than Hulk Hogan was over in New York. <laughs> 35 years ago. Layla is a massive crowd favorite. Yeah. That's that's why this is better than a Hollywood script. I would say that that qualifies this as the most unlikely rise as well, the most unlikely final. Yeah, without a doubt. And and to beat three top five players in a U.S. Open, the first person to do that since 2012, and then to add Kerber on top of that, like, it's not as if the ride has been easy. It's been unbelievably hard, and yet Layla continues to get it. Like, if we just focus in on these numbers here, like, think of it this way. Raducanu had to play three more matches just to get in the tournament than Layla Fernandez did. And yet Layla has spent more time on court than Raducanu because she's played four straight three-set matches against some of the best players in the world and was able to frustrate the bleep out of almost all of them. Like, Sabalenka, by the end of that, was irate. See how quick she walked off the court? Oh, like, just could not deal with the, the mental fortitude If we're doing wrestling terms here. Very nice. The gorilla monsoon intestinal fortitude here to keep gutting. It was such a mental match. And Layla continued to rise to the occasion repeatedly. And when you saw the power that was on the other side of the net, you figured several times, this thing's over. There's no way Layla can do it. Mm -hmm. And yet she did it. And that's, I think, why, I mean... I saw it was estimated at like 95% was cheering for Layla. I would, I would say, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because she won them over with that intestinal fortitude Absolutely. that Gorilla Monsoon made famous. You know that Bobby Heenan would be on the other side of that. Right, That's he would weird. have been in the 5%. Absolutely, absolutely yeah. Uh, this match, it's getting so much attention in this match that it's probably overshadowing Novak Djokovic going for his first men's uh, Grand Slam in more than... Uh, 50 years for the to complete the Grand Slam. The actual Grand Slam. Yeah, the actual right. full-year Grand Slam calendar. Right. Without a doubt. And it's it's garnered a lot of attention, too. I mean, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau yeah. weighed in on it, tweeting in about that. You uh, know you're big when the politicians jump in on the bandwagon. Like, I know, yeah. I love that Mary-Philippe Poulain jumped in on the action. Yeah. I saw Christine Sinclair jump in on the a action. A lot of people, yeah. But when you, when you know that the prime minister and the politicians are going to jump on your bandwagon, that's when you've hit a level. It's, it's hard to describe what she's done as anything but the, capturing the attention of a nation. That's, yeah. that's really all you can yeah. say. Is, and, and it's from coast to coast to coast. That's what, that's what she's done. Yeah, to coast, to the south even, through internationally. Right. Because America's captured as well. We'll have Carolyn Cameron it's on later. It's a lot later. of coasts. It's several coasts. Yeah. I'm sure we could, I could count a few more. Right. Carolyn Cameron will be on later to discuss a little more. Is the Gulf action. of Mexico a coast? It, that'd be like coast 14, probably, once we get 
around, down, down to... We'll figure this out at some other point. But for now, let's go to the Toronto Blue Jays. Their winning streak, did you know, folks? It's up to eight games after they completed their first four-game sweep at Yankee Stadium since 2003. They defeated the Yankees 6-4 last night. They're now just half a game back. The Yankees for the second wild card spot. Tim, what has been the most incredible part of this Jays streak? Because there's been a lot of incredible parts. I think it's where they came from. Like... Think about this. Two weeks ago today, two weeks ago, 14 days ago, the Blue Jays were nine and a half games back of the Yankees. After the four-game sweep, they are now just a half game back. And it's not just what they're doing, but it's how they're doing it. Like, the Jays are the first team to go into Yankee Stadium and pick up a four-game sweep of the Bronx Bombers without ever trailing since 1908. I love that stat. 1908. In fact, Marcus Simeon hit the walk-off against his former team to cap one of the more unbelievable games I have ever seen in my life. The Jays haven't trailed since then. That's six straight. That's 54 innings of domination. Make no mistake here. The statement has been made to the rest of Major League Baseball. If you aren't scared of the Jays... You aren't paying attention. And let me reiterate what I said yesterday that didn't garner as much attention as I thought it would. If they get in, and that's not a given, but if they get in, watch the bleep out. Yes, the wild card is a crapshoot. And yes, even if you get through the wild card, a really good Rays team is probably waiting. But this Jays team is as good as anyone in the bigs right now. You want proof? They're now tied for the most wins against teams above 500 with the Astros. How have they done that? It's the same reason why I think if they make it in, they're more dangerous than a pissed-off Tony Soprano. (laughs) And that's pitching, kids. Pitching, pitching, and more pitching. Like, this was a weakness. The Jays' starting rotation was a weakness, and now it'll give them a shot in any series at any time. And if the bats are going... This could be the start of one of the greatest runs Major League Baseball has ever seen, and that's not hyperbole. Tim, you've really hit the nail on the head. Pitching, I think, is the biggest parts of this run because before the season, it was, okay, so the Blue Jays have one good starter, and it's probably Hunjin Ryu. Now, one to five, and on the weekend, we're likely to see Ross Stripling come in to start one one half of the doubleheader. Yeah. And even when he comes in, he's been tossing the ball quite well lately. So the Blue Jays' depth at starting pitching has been spectacular. One through five, they've looked incredible, and now they have a six, also looks pretty good. I mean, I don't think he's going to make a playoff roster as a starter. I wouldn't say so. No, I think he's going to be long relief. I don't even know if it's a given that he'll start one of those doubleheader games. He might get another, depending on who and when and where. But yes, Ross Stripling is another piece to the pie. But then there was also, at the beginning of the season, I'm not sure about this bullpen. And now the bullpen looks uh, as if it has been solidified. I, so it's some, somewhat solidified. Like, I'm still not confident in the bullpen. Are you? Like, I'm still... Like, Nate Pearson, you were really hoping yeah. in yeah. that ninth inning would come in lights out. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't exactly lights out. Now, Two he was close outs. to Two ending it. Yeah. yeah, Very close to ending it. But I, there's still some question. If, if Nate Pearson and Merriweather get to a level where we've seen them before, without a doubt, 
But that starting pitching is going to give them a chance in any series, any time. And I would put their offense up against anyone that they're going to face. And good news for that offense, George Springer returns this evening. Yes. He will be leading off. He is DHing. You so. know what I like the most about George Springer returning? Go ahead. One, it lengthens the lineup. Lengthens the lineup in English. Two, um, we don't have to do the what's going on with George Springer update. <laughs> did he He's run in the today? lineup? Yeah. Did he run today? Where how, was he? Where's the update? <laughs> yes. How's the knee? <laughs> right. We don't have to. We still. We could still do the how's the knee. In fact, when Shai Davidi joins us later, I was just going to say we that. might be able to ask him yeah. like, what percentage do you think George Springer is playing at? But we don't have to do the daily George Springer update, which for me. A little bit of a breather. I've gotten used to it, so if you could, when you talk to Charlie later, just please ask him just how is George. <laughs> yeah, just I'll, for me. I'll, Thank I'll you. I appreciate you. it. You know who uh, looks really good is Tom Brady. He's very good at football. And yeah. he engineered the 49th game-winning drive of, of his career last night as the Buccaneers beat the Cowboys 31-29 in the NFL season opener. Now, the boys, they took a one-point lead with a field goal late in the fourth, but you don't give Tom Brady that kind of time. So the Bucs got the ball back with a buck 24 to go. And touchdown Tom doing his thing, marching the team down the field pretty quickly into field goal range, not a touchdown, and then game winner, game over. Did you really think the Cowboys were going to stop Tom Brady? This is this is a trick question, right? Yes, yes it is. <laughs> no, not at all. Nobody did. And that's something that we need to chop up with Nate Burleson. The scowl told you all, yeah. the Tom Brady scowl told you all you need to know. Like the world knew the jam was done right then, right as soon as you saw, this is about to end. Like how is that possible? How is it that Tom Brady is that good? Uh, Nate next. He will help us out. As mentioned, George Springer back in the lineup. Shai Davidi live from Baltimore. He will join us. Layla and Felix. It looks like it's over. Felix is done. But is Canada the newest tennis superpower? Carolyn Cameron will discuss it all coming up on your Friday edition of Tim and Friends. So let's go. And Brody hits one high and deep to right. This ball's got a chance. Get out of here and God, Vladdy Guerrero. His 42nd and 100th RBI of the season. And that pass is caught by Godwin for the touchdown. Brady, the fake and rolling and throwing, and that'll be caught. And that's Rob Gronkowski. Oh, Brady steps up, avoids the rush, throws, caught, touchdown, Antonio Brown. If this 44-year-old guy can look anything like he did last season, the Bucs are still the team. begins his quest for title number eight at 44 years of age entering NFL season 22 the title defense begins against Dak Prescott who's back from injury and hoping to take the Cowboys back to the playoffs what a way to kick off the biggest season in NFL history that pass is caught by Godwin for the touchdown Prescott hangs in throws caught that is lame Brady the fake and rolling and throwing and that'll be caught and that's Rob Gronkowski 
Now Prescott throws. That's going to be caught. Brady steps up, avoids the rush, throws, caught. Touchdown, Antonio Brown. Here they come after Brady. Throws, caught. Gronkowski to the end zone. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Prescott to the end zone, and it's going to be caught. How about Tom Brady? How about oh, Dak Prescott? This is sick. What a game. I am not playing for field goal here. I am not. I'm not giving Tom, even if you make it, I'm not giving Tom Brady back the ball. I'm playing for it all right now. And that kick, <laughs> how about that? Is good. Oh, there was no, no doubt we were going to go win the game. Brady fires, caught Gronk again. Brady looking that way and fires that way, and it's going to be caught in his Godwin. Was there a push or not? Suck up trying to win it. Got it. All right, I need to jump right into this. I got Nate Burleson joining us now. Nate, Nate, I need to understand this. Like, people saw Brady's face on the sideline and knew it was over. Like, that's one of the hardest things to do in the game in a life for, like, Bruce Arians is saying, yeah, yeah no, I know, I knew it was over. How in the good name of Leroy Selman does he do this? Listen to me. Okay. When Tom Brady is on the sideline and you got minutes, we're talking two, less than two, maybe a minute 45 left in the game, you know that Tom Brady is going to take his team down. Look at his face. <laughs> How many times has he been in this situation? How many times have we seen Tom Brady go down and do what he did last night? Unbelievable. Life is good for Tom. He's a beautiful wife, great family. He's a tremendous businessman. He's coming off another Super Bowl victory. Uh, he wins the season opener. And then afterwards, he can go get a senior citizen discount at any restaurant that he wants. But all jokes aside, at 44 years old, I just think this might be some of the most impressive athletic athletic feats that I've ever seen. And don't get it twisted. I'm not saying he's the greatest athlete in the world. I'm just talking about feats of amazement. Tom Brady at this age, he's not supposed to be doing what he's doing. And before anyone says, well, you know, he's, he's surrounded by so much talent and he's, he's just throwing nickel and, nickels and dimes and guys are taking the rock and they're going, do you understand how good he looked when he started off that game? I was literally blown away. I'm sitting there with my wife. I'm like, this is crazy. She's like, what? I was like, it's crazy that he's so accurate. And then he's throwing dimes down the field to Antonio Brown, who looked like Antonio Brown from the Steelers. I was thoroughly impressed. You know, and, and I, I hesitated on going with those guys as back-to-back -back Super Bowl champions, but I might have to change that pick. <laughs> it's like, I know he's got the rings, but is that not the ultimate compliment for any quarterback, for his coach to say straight face post-game, I knew we were going to win? I don't even know how many things people can describe right. uh, me like that. Like, you know, my wife can't even confidently say she knew I was going to clean up the kitchen and take out the trash. <laughs> You're telling me that everybody in the world, it wasn't, let's just keep it real, Tim. This yeah. is what we do. Let's keep it real. Yeah. It wasn't just Bruce Arians. It was everybody in the <laughs> Chris world. Chris Collinsworth, you know, Al Michaels, everyone. We're like, it's over. It's a, and, let's, and, and let's be clear, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, they look good. Yeah, Dak Prescott coming off that ankle injury from like he looked good. You know, CeeDee Lamb and Mark, they look good. But Tom Brady, he's just, he's separate. Who would have thought at this point in his career, 20-plus years, that 
he'd still be separating himself from the pack. Right. He shouldn't be at this age, right? No, Especially in a league right. that has that has Aaron Rodgers, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and the list goes on and on and on. Russell Wilson. And he's still separating himself from those guys? Yeah. Unbelievable. Drafts a quarterback first overall every year, three more in the first round every year. Everyone's trying to find the next guy and what it is, and this dude's just still, still doing it. Have you ever been in a huddle and looked at a QB and you either knew that he had it or that y'all were doomed? <laughs> Because <laughs> oh, that's, like, that's the, like, uh, the, the definition for me of clutch is not pooping your pants in the moment, right? Like sometimes yeah. you just look at someone, you go, they, they were not built for this. I had, um, I had a QB that when the moments mattered the most and he had got banged up that game, he would have like almost like a, a nervous twitch or like football Tourette's where he would involuntarily kind of just like <clears throat> tweak a little bit in the huddle. He would get in there and say, all right, <clears throat> slot right, <clears throat> uh, you know, the 980, <clears throat> 980, <clears throat> 989. And I remember, I remember another player in the huddle was like, hey, get your together. We got to go win this game. <laughs> He's like, all right, my bad, my bad. So I had, I had a quarterback or two that you could tell in the moments that Unless a miracle happened, he wasn't built for that. But then there's other quarterbacks. I remember Dante Culpepper had a moment like that with me. Uh, Matt Matt Hasselbeck, Matt Stafford, even Seneca Wallace. I remember getting in the huddle one year, and Matt Hasselbeck was like, look, we got to go down and score this touchdown. He's like, I'm sending the wide receivers on the outside. You're running those nines. And if they get covered two, and when he said covered two, he looked at me. I was over here. I looked at him. I gave him a nod. He gave me a nod back. Everybody in the huddle knew where the ball was going. And the, the game would have been over if we didn't score this touchdown. So we needed it. I look at the coverage. I see the safety over there. I know he's climbing to the sideline to come meet me. The cornerback is up, but he's inside. So basically, they're trying to funnel me to the sideline. I'm thinking, if I can get to that hole and have Matt Hasselback put it right on that spot, I can catch it and get to that pylon before that safety knocks me. As soon as he hikes that ball, I give him a move. I release outside. Matt looks at me. Ball's already in there. I catch it, I beat the safety to the sideline, score a touchdown, we win the game, game winner. None of the play mattered. We saw the play happen before we got on right, the field. Right. The huddle is where we won because he knew if I saw exactly what we were expecting, the game is over. Right. And that's Tom Brady every single time he's down. <laughs> Nate remembers this one moment that, like, that is etched in his mind forever, and Brady just does it over and over. Brady got a hundred up. <laughs> he's got a hundred. That, that's one of my favorite stories of all time from football is the Joe Montana Super Bowl. Needed drive to win. Looks in the huddle and goes, hey, guys, is that John Candy over there? And everyone's like, what? this dude is yeah. like spotting people in the crowd in the, where everyone yeah. else's heart rate is going boom, 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 boom. And he's like, hey, yeah, John Candy over there. Uh, listen, and I thought you got to do that. You got to do it. I thought the boys were good enough to win. The one thing, like, do you want to see – I thought Dak coming – I'm a huge Dak fan. I'll just say it. Oh, and yeah. I, I'm a big Dak fan. Me too. And I thought he, he picked up where he left off. I wanted more from Zeke. Yeah, Twitter was not kind to Ezekiel Elliott. No. Um, you know, they they were making a lot of jokes about, you know, his lack of explosiveness and maybe him not not being as fit as we thought he was. 
Some people said, uh, oh, I thought Zeke was going to eat. And then they showed a plate with nothing on it. And I'm like, Oof. Um, that, those are the expectations, though. I mean, what do you want me to say? Do you want me to tell you that everything's going to be all right and Zeke is going to lead the NFL in rushing? Or do you want me to be honest and say the reason why people are so um, upset with Zeke not putting up major numbers is, one, because we expect it. He set the tone in the beginning of his career. Yep. And then, two, he's getting paid a lot of money. And I hate to, I hate to go back to the dollars, but this is, this is a, 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 a business. And if you're one of the top paid players on the team, we're expecting that type of production. Think about Amari Cooper for a second. Yeah. There's people that say, oh, man. Amari Cooper, man, there's sometimes in games where he just dis- he disappears. And, you know, Amari Cooper might not be worth that money. Are you kidding me? Amari Cooper's making that much? And then a couple of days ago, Amari Cooper said, I think I'm one of the best receivers in all of football. I think I'm the best receiver in all of football. And what did he do? He went out there and scored a couple of touchdowns. Yeah. So regardless of what you may think about somebody, a player has a chance to change the narrative on game day. Zeke hasn't done that yet. Now, he didn't fumble the ball like he was doing last year. But he just didn't have those moments. I'm not going to give up on Zeke yet. I still feel like he's going to have a big year. I do feel like they're going to have to do what they're doing right now. You see them throwing to Amari Cooper. I'm going to have to use Zeke in the passing game. I get it. He's a three-down back. We want to send him between the tackles. Let's utilize the screen, shovel passes. You know, when you're going through your progression, Dak Prescott, just dump it down to him. Let him get the ball in his hands and create. So, uh, you know, Zeke, you know, of course, he might not be what he used to be. But I still think he's going to be a big part of the squad. All right, let's go from uh, from one former Pats QB to another former Pats QB. I go Brady to Cam Newton. Cam Newton yeah. um, opened up on, on YouTube with his dad saying that he thought he was released indirectly uh, because he was a d- distraction or was going to be a distraction. Do you agree with that? Well, first let me say uh, that sunroof on the hat. That's not a distraction to me. I'm feeling it. You know what I'm saying? He got the whole top off like a convertible. Uh, But I agree with Cam. You know, Cam, in my opinion, was spot on. I'm talking about so spot on it made people uncomfortable. He's basically saying, like, I'm I'm a big deal. And and you you can say that in the way that he said it. And and maybe a couple of more comments, it would have seemed self-serving or as if he was stroking his own ego. I didn't even read it that way. I I thought that Cam was just being transparent and saying, you have a young quarterback in Mac Jones who has earned the starting position. Me coming in and being a backup, a former MVP, uh, you know, a polarizing figure, someone that that if the, the game isn't going right, the season isn't going right, the fans will ask for, maybe even the locker room will ask for, it's better off that you allow a quarterback to exist without there being a backup um, that will apply a different type of pressure. Um, and, and maybe it's not a pressure in the way that most people think. Like, oh, well, are you saying that, that Mac Jones isn't good enough to fend off uh, Cam Newton competitively? No, 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 I'm not no. saying that. What I'm talking about is the pressure of having a name like Cam Newton behind you. And if you think about the Patriots, just think about this. Before anybody says, whoa, Nate, I think you're bugging. Um, The Patriots have never really been fans of having two high-profile quarterbacks. I mean, just think about that for a second. They got rid of Jacoby Brissett. Now, teams wanted him, and they could afford it. Yeah, but still, they they let go of Jacoby Brissett. 
when Jimmy Garoppolo's name started coming up more and more and more, yeah. what happened? Right. He was traded. So, like, this this isn't um, new. This isn't, uh, you know, the, the Miami Dolphins where you have Tua Tungavailoa and then Ryan Fitzpatrick. That was a unique system in itself. Bill Belichick, that man right there, I think he's more of a genius than we 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 give him credit for. And being a genius and being a great coach and being a great motivator is not just about X's and O's. It's also about managing personalities, managing egos. And the third layer for a young player, a rookie, managing self-esteem. Right. So if, if you're sitting back as a young guy and you're a quarterback, now all of a sudden you're handed the keys to an organization that had Tom Brady and you have the weight of the world on your shoulders in a city like Boston that wins in every single sport, NBA, Major League Baseball, and also football, you don't want there to be a backup quarterback that is making him uncomfortable. Let him go out there. See what it's like. Feel the fire underneath his feet and then deal with it by himself. That way, Bill Belichick will have a true assessment of who Mac Jones truly is and don't know what to do with him moving forward. Yeah, the great point about the previous quarterbacks that anyone who made noise as a backup was gone. And I worked in a city in Hamilton in the CFL where their favorite player was always the backup quarterback. Didn't matter who was yep. starting, how they were doing, favorite player yep. in the city, backup quarterback. It's a great point. I was going to walk down the road of, you know, Cam's history and what he's been through, and obviously there are racial undertones to how he stands out from the crowd and if he could help himself in this situation. But the way you put it, man, like that's cut and dry. That's what the Patriots do. If they are focused on one thing, they focus on that thing. And here's the thing. Cam didn't say that Mac Jones wasn't good. He didn't yeah. call him a bum. And he, he didn't even go in depth about how much better Cam may think he is than Mac Jones. He didn't discuss any of that. He, he was been praising Mac Jones this entire time, yeah. saying, I love him. I'm going to do what I can. He even said when he was talking to his pops, like, if they would have said be a backup and help this guy wherever I can, I would have done that. So it's not about that. I think it is about understanding how the Patriots do things. And if you look at their history, they've always done this. This is not a, a unique situation. Uh, so do you, like, do you buy a hat with a hole in it? Do you get your hat guy to put the sunroof on the top of that hat? Like, how, do, how exactly does that – I mean, I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm going to tell you that. But how exactly do you go about getting a hat like that? Well, one – um, maybe you should think about doing it because <laughs> yeah. sometimes the top of that scalp is pale. You can't see it, but because you're only five four, I can see it when I see you. You know what I'm saying? Wait, wait I give you a hug. I'm standing right at wait, the top of your scalp. Wait a second here. All right. Huh? What? What? Yeah, I'm. I, hey, I'm. I'm like five eleven and three quarters. All right. Like, come on. Okay. All right. All right. You're right. I, I shortchanged you. I shortchanged you. My bad. Literally. You, literally. You five eleven and three quarters. Yeah. But, I might blind some people. I, I will though. say this. <laughs> you will. It's always shiny. That's why I, I, I can't resist kissing it when I see it. Uh, but no, I, listen, you, you buy the hat and then you kind of make it a convertible yourself. Right, right. You know, I, I like that. So he tailors it himself. Hey, listen, uh, Canada's newest favorite American morning show because of our dude. Nate Burleson, CBS This Morning. Always great catching up with you, no matter where it is, in an Uber, in a change room, in a locker room, in the house. We appreciate you, my dude. All right, love you, man. I guess I say love you, too. Love you, too, Nate! It'd be weird if I didn't. Time for a break from one tradition to another. 
Nate, best of the week. We'll do that next right here on Tim and Friends. Couldn't leave him hanging. No, good. Welcome back, friends. Time now for the best of the week. Here's how it works. We scour the internet looking for good stuff all week long. We show you the options every Friday, then you head to our Twitter account after the segment and vote. Got it good since you understood. Nominee number one. We start this best of the week off with it seems to be a reoccurring theme on the show. Joey Votto being a damn good human to other humans. During Tuesday night's game, the Cincinnati broadcast showed an exchange between Votto and a 10-year-old Evan Roach, who's battling cancer. This is right before Votto's first at bat. Joey Votto always giving back. Let's take you back a couple of days at Great American Ballpark when he touched the live of a youngin going through cancer treatment. That is Evan Roach, a 10-year-old from Cincinnati. He's a dragonfly kid. And Votto arranged the whole thing. He had gifts picked out by Votto. David Bell, Tyler Naquin, Tucker Barnhart, Nick Castellanos all stopped by to say hello. There is Evan. And we talk a lot about Joey Votto, the baseball player. But Joey Votto, the human being, well, touched another human being in ways that they'll never forget. And that family on top of the world after that day. That's Joey Votto. And good luck to the rest of the nominees. Follow that under things you love to see. Let's get to nominee number two, college football full swing down south of the border. And while it's still a little weird to see 80,000 college fans packed into a stadium, the Enter Sandman intro, Virginia Tech Lane Stadium, uh, was jarring in a bunch of different ways. Take that, Mariano Rivera. That is unbelievable. <laughs> would, are you ready for that? Like, would you, we're both double backs, would you jump into that mix? I would have a lot of doubt, but then when I was in it, there <laughs> would be, be no doubt. Mostly because I would have had about 14 Bud Lights by that point. Yeah, I'm sure. We can't drink in the stadium, but you, uh, I, I've heard that I've they heard do that pre-drink before they go in. I believe they call it a tailgate. Oh, okay. As far as I know. Awesome. Yeah, I would imagine that more than a few beers were smashed before that game. Uh, our next nominee is from one of the last places I would expect some epic beer smashing, but the U.S. Open in Flushing Meadows is our next nominee. 
A fan caught on camera during Felix Oje Aliassime's Friday night match downing a glass mere seconds. Roar the crowd at Louis Armstrong Stadium. Impressive. So later on, they put her back on camera. And guess what? Steals another beer from her friend. And again, love, peace, and hair grease. <laughs> Who knew tennis was so wild? But apparently, that's good enough to get you into the best of the league. Could you? Could I chug two beers? Absolutely. Really? Oh, yeah. Because Sixero once I said that he could. Do you remember I this? remember, yeah. He said he could do it, and then we just got him. I don't even know if it was beer. Was it beer, guys? It was a, di- it was a it was non-alcoholic. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. We went across to Rabba and got the old non-alcoholic. So if you're saying that you can do it, careful, <laughs> because someone will run across to Rabba. And at the end of this show, before we get to the best of the week winner, I you re- might be smashing one. I remember the look on his face as when he couldn't do it. There was- <laughs> yeah, there was shame. Without a doubt. Uh, all right, final nominee, Layla Annie Fernandez on an epic run. Hard work, determination, heart. All credit to her success, of course. But after a quarterfinal match on Tuesday, they asked the Canadian question. And guess what? Layla Annie, like everything else, right? She's a lefty. Like everything else in Flushing, knocked it out of the park. You've got all this attention now from Canada. Of course, Felix Auger, Ali Asim is playing tonight. What is it that they're feeding you up north in Canada that is producing such incredible, inspiring tennis this week? I would say it's the maple syrup. <laughs> the Canadian maple syrup are very good, so. <laughs> Uh, head to our Twitter account, at Tim and Friends. Make your pick if you missed any of the nominees or listening uh, on a podcast. We'll have them all on our Twitter account a little later on. Coming up, Kevin Mickey will be side-by-side side with the woman drowning a beer. He'll do it non-alcohol. No, we're going to talk a lot of Jays. A lot of Jays coming up next. Shai Davidi on Tim and Friends. I'd do it. back here hour number two on a Friday so full hour on Sportsnet 360 including Carolyn Cameron joining us to discuss Layla and Felix highlights of Felix U.S. Open semi coming up in moments meantime with you for another half an hour only on Sportsnet because we got Jamie we got Joe we got Blue Jay Central Jays and O's what up with the O's We'll tell you in mere moments as the Jays look for their ninth straight win. Open up a four-game set with those Orioles. Cy Young candidate Robbie Ray on the bump. Get the series going against Chris Ellis, who's actually pitched pretty well in his 16 innings of work this season with Baltimore. The Jays are 8-4 and four against the Orioles so far this season. So here's the lineup that will face Ellis. Springer is back in the lineup. Again will DH and again will bat leadoff after missing three games with the sore knee that he aggravated on Monday. Marcus Simeon, Vlad Jr. say 2-3 because... Why not? Bo Bichette moves all over the lineup. He's batting cleanup. Alejandro Kirk stays in, catching and hitting sixth. Now, we know we said we wouldn't have daily Springer updates, but here's Charlie Montoyo on his workload and how he'll be handled 
moving forward because you want to hear it. It's just not whether or not he'll be in the lineup. Like, like we have been doing it day to day, and today, after three days, he said it felt good to play. Talking to the training staff, they say he's good to go, so that's why he's in the lineup. Um, it, when you're managing that workload, I mean, is that is that still going to be kind of a two-way conversation back and forth? Are you guys going to kind of build in some kind of forced off days on him, or how do you expect to handle that part? Well, I wouldn't call it a two-way. I would call it a three-way. Training staff, talking to trainers, uh, talking to him. And, and of course me, you know, and the coaching staff, you know, to see how he feels. And after three days, uh, we all decided that he's ready to go today. Ross Stripling also uh, has been recalled. He is active tonight. No word on whether or not he'll get the start tomorrow in the doubleheader, as many thought. Kevin Smith has been optioned to AAA. Well, Thomas Hatch also with the team and also apparently an option to start a game tomorrow. Nothing official on that front. Double dip, of course. Jays fans also scoreboard watching. They enter the night a game and a half back of the Red Sox. They are in Chicago tonight as underdogs facing Carlos Rodon having a great season uh, with the White Sox. The Yankees reeling after being swept by the Jays are facing their crosstown rivals, the Mets. They are slight favorites with Jordan Montgomery facing Tyler McGill. And the A's and Mariners both a game and a half behind the Jays entering play tonight. Big favorites at home hosting Texas and Arizona, respectively. The Red Sox COVID issues continue as starter Chris Sale has tested positive and been placed on the COVID IL. Now, Sale was scheduled to start against the White Sox on Sunday. Red Sox are one of a handful of MLB teams not to reach the 85% vaccination rate. And it seems like they are paying for that right now. Trevor Bauer will not pitch again this season as Major League Baseball and the PA have agreed to extend his administrative leave until the end of the playoffs. Bauer's sexual assault case is in the hands of the L.A. District Attorney with criminal charges pending. All right, let's move to hockey. And the Flames made a couple signings today. They picked up Eric Goodbranson on a one-year, $1.95 million deal. Split time between the Sens and the Preds last year. Ten-year NHL veteran will bring some size to the lineup. Also re-signed Michael Stone. One-year deal, 750K. Spent the last five seasons with the Flames, but played just 21 games last season. All right, the men's semifinal at the U.S. Open, that's the day today after Leila Annie Fernandez and Ad Emma Raducanu booked their tickets to the all-teenager women's final last night. It was Felix Auger-Eliassime in action this afternoon. Big underdog against the two-seed Daniil Medvedev, who has played as well as anyone outside Joker this year. Auger-Eliassime looking to become the fifth Canadian man or woman to make a Grand Slam final, taking on... Daniil Medvedev, late first set, Eliasim down 5-3, tries the drop shot, Medvedev chases it down and is able to get the winner down the line. Took the opening set 6-4, second set, Medvedev again, Felix on the run, boom goes the dynamite. Ball ends up hitting a fan in the face and that's how you boom the dynamite. I hadn't seen that before, I want to laugh, but looks like he's okay, maybe I can't laugh. Later in the set, Ali Asim fires the back, because we've all been there, right? Like, that's the point, Kevin. You're allowed to chuckle if you've been there. I mean, we all know it kind of stinks. All right. First break of the match goes up 4-2, now up 5-3. Second set point, and he puts the volley into the net. Same game, Medvedev 
fires the forehand winner. That was the chance for Felix, and he would end up breaking, tying the match at 5-5. The 21-year-old frustrated, great chance slip away. Next game, Medvedev, another break point. Aliasim forehand into the net, second set 7-5 for the big Daniil Medvedev. Third set, Aliasim figures to have an easy overhead, winner sends it wide, Medvedev goes up a break, and we've seen this happen with Felix before, Carolyn Cameron coming up, we'll, we'll have a conversation about what this means, but Medvedev just playing great tennis right now, 5-1, how about this? Unbelievable, one of 37 winners in the match. Straight set, 6-4, 7-5, 6-2. Despite the loss, though, Felix will rise to a career-high ranking of number 11 on Monday. Women's doubles semifinal featured Ottawa's Gabriela Dabrowski and her partner Luisa Stefani of Brazil. They were taking on Coco Goff and Catherine McNally. First set, tie break, Stefani ends up with a very bad injury at the net. You can see her twist her knee, right leg, obvious pain on the court after receiving medical treatment. She was unable to continue with the knee injury. In fact, she struggled to get up. So her and Dabrowski forced to retire from the match. Tough break and hopefully that's not literal because that did not look good. Again, more tennis coming up later with Carolyn Cameron but as promised plenty of Blue Jays talk because the Toronto Blue Jays are on a run for the ages right now and have climbed right back into the wild card hunt joining us now from Baltimore is the one and only Shai Davidi what's going on Shai how are you man I'm all right what's going on Timmy oh you know just uh, working on a Friday trying to get to the weekend and enjoying some ridiculous Canadian heaters going on in tennis going on in all sports if you go back to the winter or the summer Olympics and of course the Blue Jays what, what should be your reaction to what the Blue Jays have done over the last couple of weeks I mean this has been pretty remarkable right like you know I think back to 2015 when they had the the pair of 11 game win streaks right and that's not something that happens very often and you know the Jays you know you factor in the the one game that I think that's 11 and one over their last 12 uh, eight in a row obviously they're playing their best baseball at just the right time and I think you know just the vibe is just like, I think they're like really understanding just how wild it is that they completely upended the standings in essentially a week and a half right like they not only have they made a move and gotten within half a game of the Yankees game a half of the Red Sox but because of games in hand you know this team is in full control of its own fate and they were in a situation where they were feeling a little bit like basically they had to win every night and you know now they just just have to play good baseball they don't have to play spectacular unreal baseball anymore right they've got they go 14 and 9 over the final 23 or something along those lines uh you know they're going to get to 91 wins and probably be in the wild card so uh, i think it's been a, a remarkable change of fortunes in a very very short span and a lot of the issues that were holding them off have suddenly have disappeared and they're playing you know their best baseball it's unbelievable i mean we did it off the top of the show uh Two weeks ago, they were nine and a half games back of the New York Yankees, and now they're a half game back. What was the most impressive part of what they were able to accomplish in the Bronx to you? I mean, 
uh, one, the, uh, you know, going in there and sweeping, sweeping that team, you know, that's obviously impressive. But I mean, they didn't trail for 36 innings in, in against a really good team. You know, that that's that's pretty impressive. And I think, you know, you get into, you know, just a lot of good execution. You know, to me, I, I think a lot of what is gone right for this team was on display in the eighth inning where you know the Yankees you know get a couple you know hit a couple really good pitches and turn them into base hits or open the inning against Tim Meza uh, and then there's a fielder's choice that's hit to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and you know very uh, he very easily could have just taken the, the safe pour out and gotten the out at first base with Rizzo there uh, but instead he makes a really tough throw uh, judges in the base path Bo gives uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. a good laneway to make a throw they get the lead runner keep a double play you know, three pitches later, there's an inning and a double play, jam over. You know, yeah. that's the type of play when a team is really playing smart baseball, heads up baseball, you know, they get the outs there. They get out of that jam. And that's kind of what's been happening for the Blue Jays over the past, you know, week and a half. And that's why you're seeing the type of results that you've seen. Just a couple of sports fans talking here, Shy. Uh, the crazy part for me is... You know, a lot of people are comparing this to 2015 and the run that the Jays went on in the second half. This seems more condensed to me, but I think back then most, at least most sane baseball fans looked at that team and thought, well, this is an older team. They've got to get it done now. The crazy part of what we're seeing right now, even if they don't get into the postseason or they drop a wild card, is this feels like just the beginning. Do you agree? Well, I, I agree with half of what you said. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I see the parallels to 2015, and I'm guilty as charged because I've written that uh, a couple times too. Uh, and, you know, there are some differences. Uh, and, yes, this is a completely different team, younger, and there is a window there. But, you know, I don't think that you can ever look at an opportunity and say, you know, oh, there's going to be more, so don't worry about it. You know, like opportunities are really rare, and the Blue Jays have had so many things go right for them, right? Like, you know, you get – uh, amazing free agent deals for Ray and Simeon that totally work out and give you amazing value. You know, yeah. you make a clever trade for Steven Matz, and that's turned out to be a pretty good, uh, a pretty good addition. Uh, then you've got Bo and Vlad and Teoscar largely staying healthy, all producing. Uh, you've got, you just had a lot of things really break your way, and you can't expect that that's going to happen every year. And so, you know, to me, anytime you have an opportunity to win, you know, regardless of where the group is, you know, they're so valuable, they're so hard to get that you have to kind of do everything in your power to make sure that you get to success. And I think, you know, if the Blue Jays don't ultimately make the postseason this year, you know, there'll be a lot of bullpen games that slipped away to lament and really look back on and reflect on. But... You know, I do agree that in the bigger picture, you know, this is a beginning rather than a middle or an end like it was in 15-16. No, the, the differences that you pointed out, very fair. That's why I said a couple of sports fans talking here, Shai. I'm, I'm good with that. Um, <laughs> has, has Robbie Ray climbed up in this AL Cy Young Award race here? Like, are we talking about maybe potentially the actual winner and not just the top three or top two in the vote? Well, look, I mean, there's still a few more starts to go, and I think that every start from here on out can sway it. And, like, you know, maybe, I I don't know. I'm not sure how people are going to perceive what he's doing. And, you know, Garrett Cole has obviously had a tremendous season, and it's going to be hard to knock that off. But, 
there's, you know, two and a half weeks left in order to sway things. And, you know, Robbie Ray's got every opportunity. You know, he's got a, a bunch of starts left in which he can continue to pile up numbers. You know, he could potentially establish a new, I mean, if he goes uh, if he goes a complete game today, he'll establish a new career high for innings pitched. Uh, and if he doesn't do it today, he'll do it in his next start. You know, that's impressive stuff. Uh, and that's going to really you know, build this case. And if, you know, the Blue Jays, you know, if he leads a Blue Jays surge into the postseason, you know, I'm sure some voters will factor that in. But, you know, ultimately, that's really a body of work award, not a what you did over the last two and a half weeks award, or at least it's what it should be. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it's, uh, Garrett Cole's had a pretty significant season as well. Yeah, without a doubt. But, like, you know as well as I do, uh, that four-game series in the Bronx forced a bunch of people across North America to take notice if they weren't taking notice before. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, I also think, you know, in our market, we look at it, we're like, yeah, Robbie Ray, and as well as well, everyone in baseball should because of the season that he's had. Right. But I don't think that it's going to have the same ripple effect across baseball, mm -hmm. unfortunately. But, you know, if Robbie Ray was in New York and Garrett Cole was in Toronto, you know, the conversation would certainly be different right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm certain I'm, of that. I'm literally talking about the it should be an entire season. It should be a body of work award versus a how you finish award. But the baseball media doesn't always work that way. By the way, say hi to Hazel. I think I just saw her walk by uh, the camera. Uh, what to you is the biggest question? Yeah, she may be behind me here. Yes. What to you is the biggest question mark as we move forward and into these four games here with Baltimore? Uh, sorry, I didn't catch the first part of that question. What, what's your biggest question mark? I don't want to make this out all sunshine and lollipops. You got to oh, win the for, games for the, in front of you. What, uh, what's your biggest question mark? Uh, well, I think, you know, George Springer drawing back into the lineup tonight, and I think that's certainly what does he look like, and, you know, can he get through? You know, he was already dealing with, the you know, the, the first issue in the knee, and then he fouls the ball off the kneecap there, and, you know, that was pretty significant in terms of, you know, how, how hard it hit him and, you know, the amount of pain that it caused. And if you're the Blue Jays, I think, you know, one of the things you need – you know, to really put you over the edge is I have George Springer contribute for two and a half weeks and, you know, help you close this out. So, you know, if George Springer can hit the ground running this weekend, get his timing back, get some rhythm back, and then carry that into, you know, a tough series coming up against the Tampa Bay Rays, I think that's, that's really a, a sort of an ideal scenario for the Jays. Kevin, I didn't even have to ask the George Springer question because the pro that is Shai Davidi took it and ran with it. Thank you very much, Shai. Always appreciate catching up with you. And uh, enjoy the game tonight. We are about 43 minutes away from it right now. All right. Thanks, as always, Timmy. Have right. a good weekend. There is Shai Davidi on a wee bit of a delay in Baltimore. More pregame coverage for the Jays coming your way. We'll check in with Buck and Tabby before sending you to Blue Jays Central on Sportsnet. And we'll do that next. Blue Jays. Orioles, first of four on Sportsnet. We continue on Sportsnet 360 with Carolyn Cameron in tennis. All coming up on this edition of Tim and Friends. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Minutes away from sending you to Blue Jay Central on Sportsnet. Buck Martinez, Pat Tabler will have a call of the game. To the Jays and the O's tonight. Joining us now with their thoughts ahead of first pitch. Buck and Tabby, take it away. 
Jim, we've always heard Charlie Montoya talk about what wins games is pitching and defense, and the Blue Jays have had terrific pitching most of the season, and the defense got off to a rocky start. Everybody wanted to shake up the defense and shake up the alignment, but right now at the most important time of the season, the defense has really proven to be pretty solid. It's like in football when you've got uh, offense, defense, and special teams. You, you don't think too much about special teams, but it can win you a lot of games. Just like your defense can win you a lot of games in the game of baseball. We saw it last night for sure in New York. Lourdes Gurriel with this laser to second base, his 12th outfield assist. That could have turned the game around right there, but he played some great defense. And then Jose Barrios back to the mound. He's such a great fielder. He led... Uh, Bo Bichette perfectly to get the out at second base and then probably the biggest play of the game. Mesa gets the ground ball and the Blue Jays defense turns it in motion all around. So the defense is playing much better and we can prove it to you. 29th ranked last year, minus 37 defensive run saves. They're in the middle of the pack this year. Uh, 10 defensive runs saved. That's good enough with the great pitching that they have and the great hitting that they have. You just have to be average defensively. I think that's what they are, but they're much better than they were last year. And you know what? It takes a while for young players to understand the importance of defense. Everybody thinks they can hit their way to the big leagues, but in order to stay and be a championship-caliber player, you got to play defense as well, Tim. And the Blue Jays have been doing that lately. Yeah, it's kind of funny. At the start of the year, Kevin Mickey in for Justin Rubinoff, there was all that consternation, especially the middle of the infield, Bo Bichette, Marcus Simeon, how would he adjust to second base? Bo Bichette made a bunch of errors early in the season. Like, that's kind of been laid to waste. Like, there hasn't been a – knock on wood, so Jays fans don't blame me if it goes any other way. But it's kind of been laid to waste. I heard something interesting earlier this week on the fan. Uh, it was mentioned that when Bo was in double-A and he made his mistakes at the plate, mm-hmm. he tried to figure that out at the plate. So when he tr- made his mistakes in the field this year, he was trying to figure that out in the field. And so as the season's gone along, it looks like he's got a little more comfortable, and it looks like he's been able to figure out those mistakes yeah. as the season's such, gone like, along. He's such a smart player. Like, when you yeah. see him just at the plate, like, he's sitting on stuff. You heard Buck talking about it last night if you watched the game. He's sitting on stuff. Like, he, he just know he can get into a, a pitcher's head, and he's just, I mean, it helps to have a dad who played at that level. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'll tell you what, this son of a Bichette is smart. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Mickey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Jesse and I, throughout the season, uh, had agreed that we'd be giving our picks against the spread. Uh, I don't think that he agreed that Kevin Mickey would be le- making his selections for him. However... I'm going to see how I do in this week one selections, Mm -hmm. whether or not we make your picks stick for him. (laughs) Time for Inside the Lions, brought to you by Sports Interaction Canada's Odds, Maker 19 Plus. Please play responsibly. We've got two picks a peach, a piece, or a peach. You could have both if you want. Picks are a peach, let me Uh, tell you. I'll tell you after if they're a peach or not. Um, But we've got two picks a piece. I'll start. Seattle minus three in Indy. I think Indianapolis will be good. I don't think they are good right yet. I think Carson Wentz is going to take a little while to get going. Give me Russ minus three on the road, even though they are road favorites. I'll take the home dogs in the Bengals plus three at home to the Vikings just to piss off Arash Madani. So those are my two picks. Seattle minus three, Cincinnati plus three. Always love the grudge pick. 
Just pick them just to piss off somebody else. No, I think, you I know, honestly, it. Joe Burrow is going to be good. Yeah. And if they can protect him at all, I think they might have a chance to knock him off at home. They tried to address that in draft, but you're right. It's kind of a wait and see, but I do think you're right. Joe Burrow will be pretty good. So here's what I'm looking at, and uh, circle the wagons, because I'm liking Uh-oh. the Bills in week number one. Bills minus six taking on the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers lost four offensive linemen, so how are they going to protect old man Big Ben Roethlisberger? And Big Ben? I'd say zero Ben. He has no more arm. Who's, he has a lot of weapons. He can throw to a lot of good receivers. Najee Harris seems like he could be pretty good running the ball, but I don't know. It seems like it's going to be kind of tough. Plus, That sucks because I got Claypool in my pool, but whatever. Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, Najee Harris, that's a lot of good offensive weapons. Some weapons, yeah. But they're going to have to protect Big Ben, and he's going to have to get that ball out quickly. Plus, the Bills, I think they're going to be – that is going to be a wagon of an offense led by Josh yes. Allen, yeah, well, MVP candidate for sure. Uh, Chargers plus one. Uh, I was surprised that the Chargers are plus one right now. might have something to do with Austin Eckler. is questionable heading into the weekend, but if he is certified A-OK to play – I think that line will swing, so it's better to get them at plus one right now than minus two or three like on Sunday. Yeah, I like what you're thinking there. Yeah. So uh, the Buffalo Bills and the Chargers, Kevin Mickey's picks, and again, we'll see if they stick once Jesse comes back. By the way, I never made my bold prediction yesterday for the NFL. Uh, if, if I was going to make the bold prediction, it mm-hmm. might have been that the Buffalo Bills make the Super Bowl. we got a match game going on right now. Canada is on a heater. I haven't seen anything this unbelievable since blank. Again, I haven't seen anything this unbelievable since blank. What we're seeing right now, I have never seen. Off the top of the show, a bunch of different people, a bunch of different sports leading the way. Uh, let's see what the kids have said. It's been a lot of people saying it's it's been an interesting array of responses because I think that people really haven't seen this kind of thing before at all. Not even since anything, but if you're asking, I haven't seen anything this unbelievable since. You knew it was coming, League fans. A Zamboni driver won an NHL game against the team he works for. And there's Steve Dangle holding a David Ayers jersey. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. We knew it was coming, though. That one had Very to have been coming, Saturday. right? Yeah. I haven't seen anything this unbelievable since Tom Brady managed to walk after 18 hours straight on the cans. <laughs> and I assume on the cans means just... Smash I, it. I don't think so. I think it was like three. And because Tom Brady lives that clean life, that's how he ended up after three. It's because all he does is eat avocados right. every day. And drink a ton of water. Yeah. And so when he had a couple of waters that are 4.5% alcohol, right. that just went straight to him. The Bud Lights killed him. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen anything so unbelievable since Canadian sitcom won every award possible. Shout out, Shit's Creek. What a show. I haven't seen anything this unbelievable since Vince Carter was on some through the through the legs, arm in the hoop stuff, as Drake would say. Uh, I haven't seen anything this unbelievable since the Dream Team, 1992. Okay, those are real. They're not funny. Yeah. I know. <laughs> All right. Time to send you to Blue Jays Central. On sports that Jamie and Joe will take you up to first pitch. Hopefully, Jamie returned the broom to our studio. As for us, we'll continue on Sportsnet 360. We will talk with Carolyn Cameron coming up tennis in 60 seconds on Sportsnet 360. For those watching the Jays, enjoy it, kids. We'll see if they can keep the ball rolling with Robbie Ray.
continues at Tim and Friends on Twitter as we speak. Haven't seen anything as unbelievable as this since blank is the match game. It's because Canada is on a heater right now from the Summer Olympics on through to the U.S. Open. And when Layla Annie Fernandez ended up winning last night, I said I need a little tennis in my life. And when I need a little tennis in my life, I need a little Carolyn Cameron in my life. Who joins me now from the palatial compound in and around the Toronto area. Cameron, how are you? It's been a long time. I'm good. Yeah, I was I was actually thinking it used to be years ago. I would just force people uh, to care about tennis. And now people <laughs> are actually asking to talk about it, yeah. which is really great. It's a win win. It's unbelievable, though, how quickly this has turned. And listen, when Bianca came into this studio in 2019, like, I don't think I've ever seen a push of people trying to get in and around a celebrity in this building like I did that day. And or Coco. Yeah, it was yeah. Coco too. Yeah, yeah. without a doubt. But but it was just it it felt to me like holy crap, this many people really give a bleep about tennis and now with all the results that we're seeing, I think it's just all those who were in the woodwork before are coming out and all the periphery fans are out in full effect like it's unbelievable I think what's still really fun is that even though Jeannie made the Wimbledon final in 2014 and then Milos in 2016 and then of course Bianca in 2019 and now we've got Layla I think we're all still hardcore tennis fans casual tennis fans bandwagoners we're all still pinching ourselves a little bit yeah. because I mean one's great two's great three's great but I think we're just starting to believe that we as Canadians belong at the top in tennis and the reason being is that for generations we didn't really have that person to look to right i mean you yeah. saw steve nash in layla's box we had him in basketball we had gretzky and crosby and everyone in hockey we, we just didn't have someone in tennis and now we have so many so it's just it's great to see how it's bringing everyone together and the belief is there and that's what makes layla's story even more incredible because most of this country didn't know who she was before two weeks ago yeah it's unbelievable i want to get to layla in a flash but i wasn't able to watch felix because i was hosting this damn show um yeah. how did it go for felix it looked like there were some nervy moments and that's kind of creeped into his game in the past was i was i wrong in that no, you're right. So it was, a, it was a tight first set and there was just one break and Medvedev took it. And then the second set, Felix got the break and things were looking good. So good, in fact, that he was serving for the second set and he was up 30 loves. So even I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, here we go. This is it. Felix is going to push it. This is his moment. And then there were just a few mistakes from Felix and his serve was struggling the entire match, especially his first serve. And Medvedev went on to win 15 of 17 points and took the second set. And from there on out, it was just over, as you can see. It was all Medvedev, and that's been Felix's issue, I'll say, early on in his career is kind of that that clutch gene. Uh, he's been in eight finals, hasn't won a set. Yes, he beat Zverev at Wimbledon. He'd never even won a set off Zverev, and that felt like a big breakthrough moment to reach the quarterfinals. And this has been an incredible run. I don't want to lose sight of that. To reach the semis, his best showing ever at a Grand Slam, at the U.S. Open, but today his performance is something that he wouldn't be too happy about. So I think I think both can be true. He can be really happy, and yeah. we can be, that he made it this far at Flushing Meadows. 
but still know that it wasn't the performance you wanted. And there's still a lot to work on to reach that next step and that next level. Listen, I'm no hardcore tennis, but it, like no one's like, it's not all like Layla. Like no one just <laughs> runs to a final. No. Like there are building blocks that you normally you have to take steps to get to these levels. Could this be a building block for Felix? Absolutely. And I liked what Chrissy Everett said a couple matches ago on the ESPN broadcast. She said that Felix has neither overachieved or underachieved because this is someone who, even though he just turned 21 last month, everyone, not just in Canada, but on the international stage in tennis has been watching him. And there has been a bit of weight on his shoulders. I mean, he was training with Federer a few years ago. It's been a steady rise and a steady climb. And you know what? He's going to break into the top 15. He's going to show on Monday uh, 11th in the world, which will be a career high. So he's steadily progressing. He's the first kid, I think you could say, born in the 2000s to make it this far at a Grand Slam. So there are way more positives than negatives. I think perhaps myself included sometimes we just lose sight of, okay, we need to be a little bit more patient. He's 21 and he's doing a really good job. Have you seen anything like we're seeing on the women's side? No. It's so fun. Yeah. It's it's just it's ridiculous. I think this is the most exciting final that I can think of in recent memory. Is <laughs> I want to say which one is more unbelievable, but both stories are absolutely crazy, aren't they? Yeah, so, I mean, everyone knows Layla's story, and I'll speak more heavily about her. But just to start with, Emma Raducanu, who, by the way, Toronto-born, there you go, so a Canadian-born player, will win a Grand Slam tomorrow. But she's the first British woman in 44 years to make the final of a Grand Slam. So right now, if we think Canada's going nuts over Layla, Britain is going crazy over Emma. And she's a qualifier. I heard you talking about it, Tim, in the first hour of the show what she's done is absolutely incredible. But the other half of the draw, Layla's half of the draw was so difficult. Like Layla's name was not uttered by anyone, even Canadians who have followed her and know her well. She, it's, it's not just who she's beaten, but how she's beaten them. Because the first two opponents that Layla faced at this tournament, those are two former U.S. Open quarter finalists. Then you see Osaka, who is the defending champion, four-time Grand Slam champion, Kerber, U.S. Open champion, three-time Grand Slam champ, Spitalina was on a nine-match win streak, and Sabalenka, who we saw yesterday, no one has more wins on tour this year than she does. And not only do they all have that history of success, but these are also some of the hardest hitters in the game, which, again, we saw most recently against Sabalenka. And Layla's only 5'6". She's not big. She's not strong. She doesn't hit a heavy ball. And usually when that's the case, you're a defensive player and you turn defense into offense. But what Layla does is she just stays glued to the baseline, hits the ball early, is aggressive, is dictating points. So she's pushing these experienced hard hitters all around the court and then match that with just how poised she is the placement of the ball, even on her serves. And that's what makes this absolutely incredible because it's from every angle that she's just beating her competition, not just in even one, two or three ways. How the hell do you handicap a 300 to <laughs> one shot against a 40 to one shot in a U.S. Open final between two teenagers? 
I have no idea. <laughs> okay, good. What's funny is if is if Layla was facing Sakari tomorrow, I would have been like, oh, Layla's, I think Layla's the favorite. She's going to win, even though she wouldn't have been the more highly ranked player. Yes. But now with these two, with Emma and Layla, I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. Uh, I think everyone's glued, and I think it's real interesting. Before I let you go, Darren Cahill was gushing on the broadcast today about where Canadian tennis is. And I know people like me on the periphery watching from the outside, doing our research, trying to figure out what the hell's going on here, have kind of looked at the National Tennis Center and, and the training that's gone on with the development program. Is it as simple as that? Like, you have to figure out which talent you're going to develop. Like, it seems like Canada is doing a better job than almost everybody right now. Yeah, and it's actually fitting because a man by the name of Louis Borfiga, he moved to Canada 15 years ago. He came from the French Tennis Federation, and he headed up that program, which helped develop Richard Gasquet, Joe Willie Songa, and Gail Monfils. And he brought that success here. That's when the National Training Center was opened after he landed here. And he is retiring this fall. So what's really cool is right now we are seeing tons of years of work happening right before our eyes. But I will say as good as Tennis Canada has been in just over a decade of development, Layla, while she has had the support of Tennis Canada, it's also been her dad, Jorge, and they moved to Florida when she was just 14 years old. So again, while they've had the support of Tennis Canada, they've also just done this as a family on their own and it's worked so it's 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 just it's pretty incredible when you see what's happening but i'm really happy for louis borfiga as he heads into retirement and for tennis canada to see all the success come to fruition i always love a reference to my my guy dickie gasket otherwise known as richard richard gasquet is how you yes. say it but dickie mm-hmm. gasket is what i always used to say uh <laughs> let me let me just say this and i i don't often give credit to the other guys because they're the other guys but that interview between mark masters and yes. layla's dad was unbelievable and it almost i swear i was watching it and i, I you almost saw yeah like i felt like yeah. a little pull <laughs> a little tug at the heartstrings and maybe maybe a single tear may have fallen from uh, uncle timmy's eyes it was a great thing to see so full credit to them every once in a while when they do good work uh carolyn you're always doing great work thank you for doing this with us we appreciate you and listen I don't think anyone will uh, will be have to be begged to go on and talk tennis. Anymore. <laughs> I, I think know, you're it's good. great. Just talk about it all the time. Uh, be well. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Have a good weekend. There is Carolyn Cameron, uh, who has covered the game of tennis. In fact, first time uh, she ever came on Tim and Friends and or Tim and Sid, I remember specifically, was a full tennis hit in the studio upstairs for radio like maybe nine years ago. Long time ago. No, nah, maybe not that long ago. Maybe eight years ago. She looks too young for eight or nine years ago. But look at her now. Yeah, look at her now hosting been, NHL, hosting Rogers Cup, National she's, Bank She's been Open. killing that beat for yeah, sports. Though, absolutely. Yeah. All right, time for one last break. Uh, that guy will take us over with last call. Best of the week winner all coming up as we wrap up the week that is. Right here on Tim and Frank. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. You've been voting at Tim and Friends on Twitter for the best of the week, or at least we beg you to. We hope you were. Let's check out the results. Uh, and we we're just talking about her with Carolyn Cameron. Layla Annie Fernandez is your winner for the best of the week. 
You've got all this attention now from Canada. Of course, Felix Auger, Ali Asim is playing tonight. What is it that they're feeding you up north in Canada that is producing such incredible, inspiring tennis this week? I would say it's the maple syrup. <laughs> the Canadian maple syrup are very good, so. <laughs> Should have known this, Kevin Mickey. Nobody can defeat Layla these days, not even in the best of the week voting. Is it a sign? Nobody can beat Layla? She, she keeps going on? No one's going to defeat her? Uh, like, I, I don't want to get in the front of that freight train. She wins. I'm not going to attempt to, in any way, shape, or form, say anything but she's going to win. I'm with you. There we go. Yeah, I was, I was kind of waiting for it. Yeah, it's it's... Is that, does everyone know that riff? Like, I feel like because I'm older, I know the riff. Eric Clapton, Layla. So, it was earlier in the tourney that the on-court interview afterwards, he said, I don't know if you know the song, but Layla. And then Layla seemed to nod in approval that she did know it. So, I think we all know No, that. but Layla knows it because... She's named, I have a Layla at home, right? Okay, you okay, know this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she knows the song, she knows too. too. She's nine yeah. years old. Yeah. But anyone outside the name Layla, I just don't know if they know. It's a classic riff. Yeah. I like the idea of us continuing to just play the riff whenever, but... It's one of those things that you know the riff, but you might not know the tune. Right. Yeah. This would be our next poll. Do you know this? Do you know, know this? <laughs> yeah. Do you know this? Yay, nay. Right. And that's it. That's it. Maybe? Some simple... Simple. Yeah, I guess so. You don't have to overthink things. Let's do last call. Last call, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, week six in the CFL begins tonight with the Argos hosting the Ticats in a rematch of Monday's Labor Day Classic, Hamilton. They won the game 32-19, and it ended with a fight. We got a fight after Shaq Richardson attempts at a cheap shot with the Ticats in victory formation. Any bad blood? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes, without a doubt. It might have been one of the greatest uh, when keeping it real goes wrong moments that I've seen in sports in the last little while. Shaquille Richardson wants to rush the quarterback in victory formation and gets absolutely blown up. This will set the tone for the I next game. Guarantee, you don't need to set the tone. It's Labor Day, it's Argos Ticats, and the best thing the CFL did with the Labor Day games is give us the rematches mm -hmm. immediately. And you get this rematch, you get that bad blood, and that has been the case for years. CFL needs something like that, something to keep Keep everybody coming back. Yeah. Uh, the Toronto Raptors, they will return to Scotiabank Arena on October 4th for a preseason game against the Philadelphia 76ers. It'll be their first home game in, let me count, 560 days. The team announced their five-game exhibition schedule earlier today after getting approval from the federal government to play at home again. What, Timmy, have you missed most about Raptors home games. I didn't realize what a wonderful counter you are. Like, yeah. That was some wonderful counter. Like, really yeah. quick to get yeah. to 560. I am remarkably impressed. Um, I love these questions on the internet when they, someone asks you, like, what's the most mundane thing that you miss or that you remember or that you understand? And I love watching shoot around before a game in the NBA because you see how good that these players really are. So for me, and in this role, one of the things that I love is just sitting courtside and watching these dudes shoot, especially shooters. 
in shoot around. So for me, that's what I miss the most. It's a preseason game. It's not like we're going yeah. to see all the players, but just to sit there in and around courtside, like we're able to do as the media and watch someone drain like 35 threes in a row as a guy that once played basketball and couldn't shoot. It's jaw dropping every time I see it. How about this for jaw-dropping news in the NBA, maybe? After adding DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard this offseason, the LA Lakers, they have reportedly agreed to a deal to send Marcus Gasol to the Memphis Grizzlies. The move, they will save the Lakers around $10 bucks in salary and luxury tax. The Grizz, they plan to release Gasol to allow yeah. him to remain in Spain with his family. So, is this the end of his NBA career? And I'm assuming it is. So, what will you? What will be your lasting memory of Marcus Gasol? I think I have a pretty good idea of what it's going to be <laughs> um, it's a uh, whole lot don't jump the gun on this okay the difference that Mark Gasol made without scoring on the Toronto Raptors championship run will be what I forever I remember when he was in Memphis and he won the defensive player of the year award I was like Mark Gasol won the defensive player of the year award like what are we talking about here and then when he joined the Raptors I saw firsthand the difference that he could make defensively with this and not necessarily athleticism what he did to Joel Embiid turn that series of course they don't get anywhere without Kawhi's shot but for me understanding how smart and good Marc Gasol was with about as much athleticism as I have, maybe a little size, but about as much athleticism as I have was what I will remember the most. That and being the absolute MVP of the 2019 Toronto Raptors Championship Parade and smashing bottles of rosé without falling, because I'm going to be honest, when I was hosting that parade, I thought Mark Gasol was going to fall from a double-decker bus. He was styling and profiling, shout out Ric Flair. You talked about this earlier in the show, Timmy, with uh, Nate Burleson. Cam Newton spoke about his release from the Patriots in a sit-down interview, and his father posted his YouTube clip on his channel today, Mm -hmm. on his YouTube channel. He said that he was surprised by the move and explained why he thought it happened. The reason why they released me is because indirectly... I was going to be a distraction. Without it, being the starter. Without being a starter. Yeah. And this was but not how? Gonna come. Verbally or in the locker room? Just my aura. Okay. Just my aura. And, and that's just, and I told you this off camera, that's my gift and my curse. Yeah. When you bring a Cam Newton to your facility, when you bring a Cam Newton to your franchise, people are interested. By mere fact, they of are intrigued. Who is he? Yeah. Why does he wear yeah. his hair? Yeah. Why does he talk? Why does he act? Why does he perform? Why yeah. does all these yeah. questions? Yeah. A lot to unpack there, but the most important question we have to ask: cut or uncut hats with holes in the top tip? What do you think, <laughs> Mr. Mickey? Considering it's my second day doing this, I will have to say uncut. No, it's cut. It's literally cut. Look, we cut a hole in the top of the hat, and thus you have the... I don't know how, like, did he cut the same hole? This is a little bit different, but kind of the same. No, no, no. It's the exact same. It is the exact same style. You have as much swagger as Cam Newton, undoubtedly. (laughs) Oh, we got to send this to Nate Burleson. Nate, dog, we did it for you, buddy. (laughs) That does it for us. As we leave you, let's take a look back 
at the week that was here on Tim and Friends. Thank you for watching. We will talk to you again Monday. Thank you, Kevin Mickey, for sitting in. We appreciate y'all. It's Friday then. It's Saturday, Sunday, what? It's Friday then. It's Friday, Sunday, what? It's Friday again. It's Friday, Sunday, I could tell that you were watching a tennis match the entire opening segment. Were you not, and I, am I gonna okay. do it to you now? Is that what's gonna happen here? Well, okay. You were doing it on camera. You were looking up. People, think you, <laughs> people must think you're looking at the clouds. You're speaking. You're speaking and, and looking up at the sky. Yes. I, I was kind of peering off to see what was happening while we were talking. Do you think Marcus Simeon needs an agent, Buck? Uh... <laughs> you're gonna volunteer? Yeah, I'll volunteer. I got my hand up in studio. Yeah, you'll take 10% of whatever's coming his way, huh? Yeah. We'll start with JD. One song that gets oh, known. Easy. Okay. Easy. Everybody clap your head. <laughs> no. It works every time. It works they've, every time. They've had it at the Jays for 28 it years. It works. It works. It works. It works. It works. <laughs> they spell it Mishy. We call him Mickey. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Kevin Mickey to the friends list. What's going on? Dogs, dogs are a plus, big yeah. time plus. Big time plus. Craft beer, yeah. big time plus. Yeah. Pop punk? Pop punk is where you lost me, kid. You what the French call les incompetents. Maybe I just didn't understand it. It's the peak music genre. Oh, it, it, it is. Yeah. You've already lost a lot of yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you shouldn't have All done right. that. See you later, folks. Uh, Look what you did, you little jerk. So I know you're a, uh, you're a dog person, yes. but are your kids ever like, we need another pet? Like, if you were going to get another no. pet, shut no. your mouth. Don't even walk, don't even, that's enough. I don't need anything like not else. Not even a turtle? No, nothing, zero. Goldfish? Nada, quiet, please. Okay, done. I don't think I've ever told you to shut your mouth. Yeah. But as soon as you brought up another Fine. pad, Uncle Timmy said that, is being uh, a pug or is being a bulldog? What, I, I'm seeing like just a smidge of being right now. <laughs> this is Bean, he's a Frenchie oh, nice. Boston Terrier and he's very, very odd, very awkward. The thing that we remember, though, is the fanny pack. Oh, the dude yeah. trying to make, here it is, trying to make the catch of this foul ball, misses it. It goes into his fanny pack whilst also <laughs> getting hit in the groin. There's a lot of layers to this onion. Like, Let's break it down. The whole thing, Peel. like it looks like he's, he's at a baseball game and it looks like he's going in the outback to hunt alligators. <laughs> like, what the hell are you doing? There's just so much to this. Like, I think this might be the most embarrassing highlight that I've ever seen. One, you drop a foul ball, two, it lands in your fanny pack, three, you're dressed like that. I don't know. There's a lot of fanny pack supporters out there. Yes to fanny packs, yes to wearing fanny packs whenever and wherever you want. I think, yeah, it's, I think it's the conclusion we're coming to. Do you actually like fanny packs? You would wear a fanny pack. No, but no, I don't like them. <laughs> right. First of all, I just I don't like following Brad Faye. Um, he's wearing like the tight black shirt. He's got the tango. Like, Faye, do you have a tanning bed at your house? Like, what is, your teeth are just sparkling white. And then my pasty face shows up on the TV and you're like, ugh. Ah! Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Yeah.